Uh, well, this morning we continue our I Am series from John's Gospel uh, during this season of Lent. Uh, so I hope you still have John chapter 6 open. I want to start by asking you what you what's your go-to thing in your cupboard at the moment? The go-to thing in your cupboard. If I had to guess, I'd say the Mick Cutler. There's rarely a day when there's not a packet of salt and vinegar chips in his cupboard. Is that right? Painkillers. Painkillers, well, I... And maybe you have a thing as well. I'm quite partial to salt and vinegar chips as well, especially when the football's on, uh, which reminds me I've got to to get some for this afternoon when the Panthers beat Parramatta, of course. Uh, In our passage today, we meet some seriously hungry people. In verses 1 to 14, Jesus is feeding 5,000. He does that miracle. And then in the next scene, he's walking on water. And now the crowd is back. They found Jesus again, and they're back for another sign from heaven. And so in verse 25, they come up to Jesus and say, Hey, Jesus, we found you. Could you cue the manna from heaven, please? Give us a sign. The Old Testament Israel, the people wandering in the desert, they were hungry. Nudge, nudge, do something like that. Look at verse 25, please. When they found Jesus on the other side of the lake, that's the crowd, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. See, it's because you're hungry. Uh, Do not work for food that spoils, but the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, well, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And so they asked him, well, what sign will there be? Will you give us? that we may see it and believe you. What will you do? And here it is, nudge, nudge. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, Always give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is saying very clearly there's a bread that lasts and a bread that doesn't last. Jesus wants his listeners to think past their immediate concerns and needs. And he wants their hearts to be spiritually satisfied for all eternity, that they'd never hunger again and never thirst again. And just as the Father sent bread from heaven way back in the day, well, he sends bread from heaven again. But notice the two differences between the Exodus story and this story. One is the scope. This is not a mob in the wilderness called Israel. See verse 33. Jesus said, his is the bread from heaven and gives life to the, to the world. The scope is much, much bigger. The rescue mission isn't just 
for Israel. It's for the world. And secondly, the bread is different too. And why is the bread different? Because this isn't bread that falls out of the sky. This is the Son who is sent. And Jesus says, I am that bread come down from heaven, sent by the Father. It's me. Flesh and blood, if you like. We'll get to that later. And just as surely as the manna from the heaven gave life to generations in the wilderness back in Exodus, so too Jesus himself has come to give life to generations globally and eternally. Eternally, because that's the other difference, isn't it? The people in Israel, in the wilderness, well, they ate the manna and, well, eventually they died. But Jesus' promise is something else. Look at verse 35. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I'm it. Notice to come to Jesus and to believe in Jesus is parallel with eating and drinking, hunger and thirst. Come to me, Jesus says, and be satisfied forever. And so if our hearts are like a cupboard, and that cupboard is our heart, well, if you look to things of this world to fill it, ultimately, you'll be left empty. Because food goes off, doesn't it? It doesn't last. If you work for the pleasures of this world, you'll be disappointed. That bread doesn't last. But what Jesus offers is a relationship for eternity and so the encouragement is for us to apply ourselves to that uh, maybe you've already tasted that emptiness of the world and maybe you already know there's no going back maybe you already know that Jesus changes everything and if that's the case we'll praise him yet some of us still do life harder than others I mean what do we hunger for for what do we labour is it the next big purchase? The fat superannuation, retirement? Maybe it's a perfect relationship. Do you hunger for that? Do you hunger for forgiveness or better health? As Christians, we know the world's brokenness acutely. This morning, we're reminded that we hunger for peace, don't we? But we know that there is more. And we know that Jesus is the bread that lasts and that ultimately Jesus is the one that can bring peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And Jesus has promised to return on the last day and undo the world's mess and vanquish sin and death and evil forever. Uh, who can trump that? Nobody can trump that. An age when we'll never want or long or hunger for anything. Now, uh, of course, the church universally has made a right mess of this passage, John chapter 6, for centuries. Uh, some have said that Jesus is teaching the disciples directly about communion, and so to eat the bread is literally to mean that we eat or chew on the flesh of Jesus. And uh, my response to that is no. Uh, the Lord's Supper, which we'll celebrate in a little while, that's, that's seven chapters away. Jerusalem is seven chapters away. 
It's not the context. The context Jesus speaks of is the Israelites' Old Testament wilderness wanderings. And we also know what a metaphor is, don't we? We need to get in touch with that, the, the use of language. Metaphor is a picture language. So when Jesus says, I'm the gate, we don't actually think he's an actual gate, do we? No, because that would be silly. You're laughing, that's the right idea. Or if Jesus says, I'm the vine, we don't actually think he has grapes growing out of his armpits, do we? No, that'd be gross too. Or uh, when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, well, he's not saying that we can eat him like he's some kind of Vegemite sandwich either. We know Jesus uses picture language to teach us truths about himself which engages our imaginations. Different pictures to communicate different truths. But at this point you might be saying, well, but you know, Adam, look at verse 53. One must eat his flesh and drink his blood. Literally, it's there in black and white. What does that mean? And it sounds violent too. Oh, yeah, it does. When I heard the Exodus reading, I thought, oh, maybe Jesus is talking about the quails. But uh, you can't imagine Jesus saying, I am a quail, can you? No. All right. Look at verse 47. Let's keep reading. I am a quail. What a thought. Uh, Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. Yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And then the Jews began to argue sharply. I bet you they did. And they said, how can this man give us flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Well, what is Jesus doing? I want to say to you, what Jesus is doing here is very, very significant. Uh, To eat, to drink blood and to eat flesh is language associated with the Old Testament sacrifice system where flesh and blood of a beast were used to cover the sins of the worshipper. And parts of the sacrifice were eaten. And Jesus, as the bread of life, is now pointing to his sacrifice, his violent crucifixion and death. He's building the metaphor. He's teaching us that we need to come to Jesus, we need to come to him and believe in him, As the one who has come down from heaven, yes, but further, that he is our sacrifice, flesh and blood sacrifice for sin. That he was the one slaughtered on the cross for our forgiveness. Jesus is the bread of life. How? Because he is the one who came down and gave his life. And this is how Jesus provides for us. This is how Jesus gives life to the world. And of course, it reminds us that Jesus needs to die in order for us to be forgiven. 
And so how do we eat his flesh and drink his blood? Well, the answer, I think, is in verse 35. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And I want to say to you, that's the answer. We've got to come to Jesus and believe in Jesus. Two things. Coming to Christ and believing in Christ. And uh, believing not... It's not merely to come to the one we believe is the Son of God. It's to come to the one and believe in the one who is the Son of God, but who also died on the cross for us as a sacrifice. The bread of life, then, is not merely the son who was sent. He is the one who came and who died for us. The the Bible tells us you, you cannot identify with Jesus without his sacrifice and death. Sadly, that's become a trendy thing in the church. Even in Australia, even in New South Wales, over the hill. It's preached that you don't actually need Jesus' sacrifice and his death for the forgiveness of sins. You need to all think better of yourselves. But that is not what Jesus says here in John chapter 6. The Apostle Paul says, To preach Christ is to preach Christ crucified. Yeah? That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 23. See, without Christ's sacrifice... Without his death and without his resurrection, what future do we have? Without the crucifixion, there can be no last day. Or you shouldn't want the last day, not unless you want to appear before God unforgiven. And so again, we are reminded here in John's Gospel, the cross is vital. We heard that last week. The cross is vital because at the cross... Jesus deals with sin and death and evil so that come the last day, we need not fear because we are forgiven. We're trusting in the cross and all that Jesus has purchased for us by his blood shed for us on the cross. And this is Jesus' goal all along. Chapter 6 is littered with with the goal. Look at verse 39, chapter 6. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. Verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day. Verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, And I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 54. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Anyone who comes to Jesus and believes in him, in his sacrificial death for sin, and his resurrection in my place, Jesus promises It's assured, it's guaranteed, he'll raise you up on the last day. There's the good news of the gospel right there. 
And John's purpose in writing is that we would believe. That his listeners would believe. His readers. And that these truths would be applied to our hearts. And we go, yeah, I keep trusting Jesus. He is the bread of life. Gives us confidence to press on. And to continue in the faith. And to persevere. Knowing that Jesus is more than enough. That Jesus is everything. Now, uh, it's interesting because as the chapter unfolds, verses 60 to 65, some of those following Jesus go, nah, this is too much, and they jump ship. It's like, oh, what? You've come down to heaven only to die? Really? And again, unbelief, and belief is a theme of John's gospel. It, It contrasts, I think, Israel's own unbelief in their wilderness wanderings. Yet the disciples stand firm. Look at verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is the devil. This is an encouragement to check our priorities. To adjust our focus. To change our perspective. For where else do we have to go? If your heart is a cupboard and it's full of things that don't satisfy, things that should not belong or things that aren't going to last, clear it out. Get rid of the old bread, the old manna. Get rid of the junk. And feed instead on the bread of life. Which future are we working towards? See that Jesus will trade the riches of heaven and come down and die for us such as his love for us. Welcome Jesus not into your stomach but into your hearts and live in him And know the wonderful, everlasting hope that only Jesus offers. Our world is preoccupied with bread, the material, and the needs and the pleasures of this world. We get reminded every time we go to the letterbox, don't we? It's particularly worse at Christmas. The world is baited by celebrity and political messiahs who promise everything and deliver so little. Our world can be hostile, but it is also starving hungry. The world's manna does not last, and anyone who eats of it will die eventually. Yet Jesus is the answer to such spiritual hunger, because he's the bread of life. And Jesus says to the world, come to me and believe in me. 
Jesus is eternal. And so is his word. He has the words of eternal life. His is the food that truly lasts. And so we need to share him. And he says, in me, you'll never hunger, you'll never thirst. And that's the promise. And he'll see us through to the last day. Amen.